0: You know, now, on this day after Christmas, we all come together, those of us that are here. My name is Stephen Rivera. I'm the preaching pastor for this morning. For those of you that might not know me, rather here in the sanctuary or in uh, Facebook or YouTube or whatever platform, you may be streaming on. And I feel very honored to be able to preach the final sermon of the year. And as we kind of come out of the Christmas season, so to speak, that's kind of what the world is doing right now, right? The presents have all been opened. The wrappings on the floor are being picked up. Uh, some people are feeling real guilty because they overstuffed themselves yesterday. Some have real hangovers. <laughs> not the kind you never experienced, but the kind that s- some of us know and have experienced. Come on now, you're not all <laughs> you're not all uh, absolved of that. But that's the world's perception, right? Some will feel disappointment, children, the excitement of getting the presents, and now there's that little bit of letdown. Some will be breathing a huge sigh of relief because all the hecticness and all that has come to an end. But for those of us that are born again, spirit-filled disciples of Christ, Christmas doesn't end for us right? The impact and the benefits continue on. This isn't a season for us. This is our lives. (laughs) This is our experience. This is why we are. This is our answer to life's questions. Amen? So let's just take a moment and pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I thank you for this honor of uh, being in this pulpit. And I ask, Lord, that you bless and instruct myself and all of us in what you want to bring about. I pray, Lord God, just for a powerful anointing to continue in this sanctuary, to just overwhelm every one of us, with the gratitude and the understanding of who you are, what you mean, and the hunger, Lord, the hunger for your word, the hunger to learn more about you, the hunger to serve you, and the hunger to continue following you and to find out what you're all about in our lives. I pray these things. I thank you for them because I know they're within your will. And I ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we're going into the next year, many of us are saying, good riddance, (laughs) 2021 is over. Phew. And at the same time, some of us are saying, well, what's next? Because there's a lot of things that haven't been resolved in 2021. We were hoping that we would be seeing the end of the pandemic, and we have a we have another variant that is even more contagious, right? Those of us that have a heart for the homeless, we don't see homelessness getting any better. Matter of fact, I work in that arena, and I see it's increasing. There are a lot of efforts going forward, but it's, that battle isn't being won right now. Uh, those of us that follow politics, we may be concerned about no matter what side you stand on certain things, uh, on the on the packing of the court that, are, that is talking about with the Supreme Court, with uh, the IRS and their uh, it, legislation that's going about to increase their power and their intrusiveness into investigating our lives. So there's many things that aren't resolved in this year. Right? So you might want to ask yourself, what's next? But what's interesting, if you look at the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus tells us so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Or another translation might say, take no thought about tomorrow. So if we're supposed to be looking to the future right now, thinking about resolutions and how to move forward, how is it that we do not worry about tomorrow? How is that accomplished? How can you not worry when today... Problems haven't been resolved. There is no closure to a lot of the things we hope would have closure as we came to the end of this year. So it's natural to worry about what's going to come, right? What's coming, and what does this mean for my children? What does this mean for their schooling? Because you know, talking about going into remote schooling again, and what do all those things mean? So how could how could we possibly follow that dictate to not worry about tomorrow. Well, in this message, I'm going to go over a few a few points, and hopefully at the end of this, we'll come away with a little bit of understanding through the Word of God to what the Word actually means when it tells us not, not to worry about tomorrow, not to have no thought for tomorrow. Because let me tell you, one misconception is that a lot of us may think, because if we study the Word and read it or listen to people's commentaries on it, that there's places where the Word contradicts itself. It says to do one thing, but then it says something else, and there's contradictions. But let me tell you right now, there are no contradictions in God's Word. Any perceived contradictions come from our ability to discern it and to interpret. There's nothing wrong with God's word. It is complete. It is whole. It explains itself if you know how to look. And I understand, uh, I remember some announcements that there's going to be that discipleship training going forward. I really encourage you to get into a discipleship training, get into Sunday school, te- get into all the teachings within your small groups that you can. Because even more so now, as we're going into the into the next season and, and the new challenges that are coming about in this world, we need to understand God's word. Amen. That's a side note. You got that one for free. That's not in my notes. But you need to understand God's word. So the first point that I want to I want to give you, and how do we not worry about tomorrow? Do not let your feelings override God's stated purpose. So it's not about how we feel about things, right? It's what God says. Again, we, don't, we need to understand God's word and to, to know that because our feelings are more prominent than what we read, right? Or sometimes we say, well, I feel God wants me to do this, or I feel God. If you feel God is leading you a certain way, if you feel God is uh, addressing something or telling you you don't have to address something, always check it out with his word. That's where you find his stated purpose. What God wants for you is in his word. Amen? I'm, I'm trying to make this as uh, simple as possible. I don't want to get into a deep uh, theological discourse with you and lose you all. But these are really fundamentals that some of you may know already, but it's not a bad idea to revisit things, right? Sometimes we hear things that we've been hearing for a long time, but one time we hear them different than we heard before. One time it says, oh, now I understand that. That never really made sense to me before, but now I get it. So my prayer today is hopefully some of you, if not all of you, have that, oh, now I get it moment. (laughs) Or, yeah, I remember that. Or, yeah, I need to do that or whatever moment you have. So 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 state, "Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So, first of all, to not let our feelings override God's stated purpose, we need to understand, before anything else, that the Lord is good. If nothing else, the Bible is full of saying how good God is. (laughs) If you really know how to read the Bible, and you really you know, know how to understand it, all through it is about God's goodness, about God's love for us, about God's sacrificial, non-conditional love for the people he loves, which is us. And all these things that is listing here, these are things that are results of how we feel, Right? We feel things, that we feel anger towards somebody. We feel we can't be proof, truthful about something, so we have to deceive, right? We feel, uh, you know, that uh, uh, envy, we feel whatever it is. These are results of our feelings, and those feelings can override what God has f- for us, what God says he wants for us. But it says to crave pure spiritual milk. And that word pure in the original language means not deceitful, literally means without deceit. So it means honest, unadulterated, un not watered down. And and it's understood because in these days, when, when Peter wrote this, the merchants had, a, had a, a bad habit or whatever you want to call it, of when they sold milk, they would water it down. So the milk they were selling wasn't pure. It was, it was watered down. So that's what they understood what this, this terminology meant when he said pure spiritual milk, amen, and it says in spiritual the the word here spiritual it only this particular translation only is is uh used one other time in the bible, also in the new testament in Romans twelve verse one where it says your 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 spiritual act of worship right to offer your bodies living sacrifice. And in, I think it's the King James, it's translated reasonable service, which is actually a good translation. I don't agree with all the King James translations, but that one's actually a good one because that's actually literally what it means, The word would be translated in English rational, which is your rational service. And this is talking about pure rational milk, milk that makes sense, right? God's word that makes sense, because we don't we don't go into God's word and following God's word blindly. You know, they talk about blind faith, and I've heard some say you have to have that in order to please God. No, God wants us. It's it's He wants us to rationalize it, but we rationalize it through his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit gives us the rationality in our minds. Amen? You following me? And I'm just hitting little points because I've got about eight sermons here in this one message that I'm not going to go into in and, and, uh, a couple seminary uh, <laughs> things if I really wanted to take it off that way. But I just want to give you foundational basics to take with you into the new year. Next point is to understand that God is never absent in our lives. Amen? I know sometimes it feels like it. (laughs) Sometimes it feels like God took a vacation on us or God got a little upset with us and decided to turn his back. He tuned us out, right? Like sometimes if your kids get too loud and stuff, you put on the earphones or you take a walk or you need to just tune out the noise. Sometimes, you know, I don't know if you, sometimes I feel like maybe I gave God too much noise. He just said, you know what? I can't deal with you right now, man. You just, you're stressing me out, my son. <laughs> you don't listen. You keep doing your own thing. You talk when you should be silent. Let me go take a walk. I'll get back to you. But God actually doesn't do that. That's that's human nature that needs that. God doesn't. He is, and this is my my interpretation, uh, but this is what I believe from his word, and I'm pretty sure I could back it up. He is continually either testing us, checking us, or blessing us. Amen. So if you look at life like that, it's It's easier to kind of discern it and and take it into than getting overwhelmed by all the things that come right understand it's either a test it's a check or it's a blessing and to be honest they all it's all a blessing it just sometimes we don't perceive it as a blessing that's why I made it the third point because in our perception, this is how we see it either God is. You know, uh redirecting us or stopping us from doing something, right? He's checking us, or it seems like you know, this thing isn't ending, when's this test going to end? You know I, I keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but my situation doesn't change, or I feel blessed. you know that's when we're in the, oh thank God, I got that job. Oh, thank God, this happened oh, th-, right? We see as blessings, but it's all blessings. But that's how God works with us. So turn, if you will, uh, in whatever you're looking at or up at the screen. Romans 8, verses 5 through 11. It says, those that are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those that are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. i take a pause. So if it feels like the world isn't getting any better, if it feels like, you know, law enforcement incidents keep happening, racism incidents keep happening, violence keeps happening, all these things keep happening and increasing, increasing, understand that those that don't have the Spirit of God, those that aren't, as I said in the beginning, born-again, spirit-filled, disciples of Christ. They can't do any different. They can't do anything to please God because they don't have the means to do it. They are not one with His Son, Jesus Christ. So all they could lean on is their own understanding. All they could respond to is their sinful nature. And I didn't say evil because... I'm not saying, you know, because a lot of times people mean well. But even in their best meaning, and some of you may disagree with me on this because I've had debates about this. But according to the Bible, doesn't matter how good somebody tries to be, they cannot please God without his son Jesus Christ in their lives. So ultimately, they're gonna do things and make decisions that are against God, because you go in before God or against Him. <laughs> there's no middle ground. Amen. I have more to say on that, but I see the worried looks in your eyes, so I'm gonna move on a little bit. Here's the good news. But you, meaning us, all of us, are not controlled by your sinful natures. Amen. Can somebody say amen to that? Need a hallelujah there. Praise the Lord. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Amen? So you can't get this through wishful thinking. You can't get this by great church attendance. You can't get this by being a minister and being involved in ministry. You cannot get this by birthright. You cannot get this ability to please God and have a spirit living in us without accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the only way this comes about. I know there's other things, and I won't get into it, because the luxury I have, I'm just a preaching pastor. I'm not your your uh, local pastor, so Pastor Dave has to tackle all those things. <laughs> I just hit and run. <laughs> And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Amen? The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. Hallelujah. So what that's saying is, because we all do wrong, right? None of us are perfect. So even though you do wrong, which we do, we have the means within us, by the Spirit of God that lives in us, to be all right with God. Even in that, it doesn't mean there's not consequences for our actions. There always are, but there's redemption and forgiveness. To us, the world doesn't have that. God gave the world their, their, their out, their path to redemption, their path to forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And that's why we're called to proclaim the gospel. Because we have this gift. We have the answer that the world is, doesn't even know it needs most of it. And how do we do that? I'll leave that one in the air for you to answer for yourselves. How do we do that? Next point. I remember uh, last Sunday, uh, Pastor Dave was saying something about the Bible not being a book of rules, and a lot of people see it. It's not about do's and don'ts uh how I like to look at it to me the bible is like an owner's manual amen when i was young and you know i don't know if any of you young people can relate to this but we used to work on our own cars <laughs> right we 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 the type of old cars we had like my 65 Chevy, and we could actually, you know, pick up the the hood and climb into it and go work into there and get the wrench in there and do all that. And I have an uncle, he's still, you know, he's still living, thank God. And he had a garage in uh, the city of Alameda, which is right outside of Oakland. And I would go to his garage and in this garage, he had a lathe. He has a drill press. He had every tool you could think of. He had about four big toolboxes. He had the, the, uh, the hoist that you could, uh, you could uh, haul an engine out with. and uh, had everything you, you needed to fix an engine. I, I, I could tear down the whole engine and, and, and rebuild it in his garage. But I couldn't do it without the owner's manual and without somebody to help me interpret the owner's manual. I needed him there to tell me, well, what's that mean? When it says, you know, this amount of torque, uh, how do I I come to that? Uh, What's a torque wrench? How do I use it? And that's kind of how the Bible is for us, right? We could read the Bible and the Holy Spirit will give us Insight into it will will enlighten us, but we also need to understand it and have somebody that understands it explain it to us. Amen? In the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, it reads, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Any of you feel like you got a crooked path? (laughs) Any of you feel like your path isn't that straight? The word tells us to trust in the Lord, right? Not trust in our own understanding, not trust in... We don't lean on the world. We don't lean on the government. We don't lean on things. We can, you know, avail ourselves of things and, and, and use them, you know, to our benefit and to bless others, but we don't lean on that. We don't depend on that to hold us up. The only thing that we depend on to hold our weight is God's Word. Amen? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize in which God has called me. Heaven word in Christ Jesus. so what's next? Why do, why, why do we not take note off for tomorrow? I promise you I'd give you some answers to those if you didn't get it through the, through the talking points. What's next? Forgetting what's behind. Amen. Doesn't mean we put it out of our minds. We give it its right significance. The past is the past. What's happened has happened. Yes, we may have to still carry the impacts of it and some of the trauma from it or whatever it was, or even if it's a joy from it, but we put it in its place, right? And we press forward. But we don't press forward to tomorrow, we press forward today. Did you get that? I would thought you would got excited about that one. <laughs> you get it? Today is the day. Because all the things we're worried about coming tomorrow, if we don't deal with them today, <laughs> they're gonna overwhelm us tomorrow. Amen? Come on, somebody. I need a witness here. <laughs> Sorry, I've been preaching in African American churches. so. And they love me there. I don't know how you feel about my style, but they love me over there. <laughs> when, one church I go into, as soon as I show up, this one deacon, I love this brother. As soon as he sees me he walk in, he says, Praise the Lord. I, I knew it. I knew you were coming back. Praise God. I'm t- He's really good for my confidence when I get in the pulpit, let me tell you. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying, church? Are we following? That's why you don't take no thought for tomorrow. Sufficient today. We, we get it right today. <laughs> and if we didn't, don't get it right today, then when tomorrow becomes today, we work on getting it right today. Amen? Last scripture. Book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So what's next? Today, we're not going to be weary. Amen? Today, we're going to refresh ourselves right now, today, in Jesus' name. We're going to take heart. Today, we're not going to lose faith. Today, we're going to rededicate. Today, we're going to reestablish, amen? Today, we're going to reinvigorate uh, ourselves. Today, we're going to call upon that living God, spirit of God that is within us. Today, 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 Amen? So that we could be more than conquerors tomorrow. <laughs> Don't worry about tomorrow. One of my favorite scriptures is uh, John sixteen thirty three, where Jesus pronounces and warns us that in this world we're going to have many problems. Right, the world isn't going to be good to us. But he said, "But take heart." for I have overcome the world. Amen? So what's next? Today, we're going to remember Jesus has overcome the world. Today, we're going to decide we're not going to be slaves to fear, to anxiety, to worrying about what's to come. Because for us, what's to come? Jesus. Amen? That's what's to come. What's to come is our living with him in glory forever and ever. That's what's to come. But, you know, uh, don't sleep on it. This world isn't going to be good to us, and things are going to come. And I'm just, from what I see, I'm not sure it's going to get better. But what we, and I'm leaving you with this, what we need to always remember The gospel is good news. Amen? It's nothing but good news. And that's why we share the gospel. That's why we proclaim the gospel. That's why we live our lives out according to the gospel. So others can see that good news. They can see it in our workplace. They can see it in the place of of business we have. They can see it when we're in the stores. They can see it wherever we are because we're not as worried as the rest of the world is. We're not uh, under anxiety and stress and all those things, because we have the good news, and we know how it turns out. (laughs) The world has nothing to hope for, but we are hope, because God is in us. We have that hope. We are living hope through Jesus Christ. So remember that, my brothers and sisters. It is all good news. That's what's next, good news. Today, we're going to live it as good news. Amen? God bless you.